Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Are you an ambitious entrepreneur who is serious about growing your business and your wealth? Well, you're in the right place today. Our conversation is with Mary Jane Copps. She's known wide and far as the phone lady. And our conversation today, we're going to have so many tips around how to use the phone. What is the difference between a customer service phone call and a sales phone call? How many times can you follow up and not be considered a pest? How to use multiple channels to execute your communications? It's a good one. So see you on the other side. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. Today, my guest is Mary Jane Cox aka the phone lady <laughs> welcome mary jane great to be here with you wendy thanks so much for inviting me oh i feel like you have such an interesting piece of the market um and you're you know when people say pick a niche you picked a niche uh in terms of what you're communicating about what you're training people on and all that kind of stuff how did you get there like you know what i mean like because people People can do all kinds of things and you can probably, you could probably talk and train all kinds of communications, but you've chosen your niche. How did that get, how did that happen? Do you want the longer version or just a really quick version of that? <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in the middle, if you can. Somewhere in the middle. Well, um, I have, I'm approaching 40 years as a self-employed person. Good and God. that could be simply because I'm very difficult to work with. <laughs> Maybe. No, I think that um, I have always wanted to make things better. Mm. And my curiosity has led me in, in very different directions. So my first self-employed career was as a freelance journalist. Okay. And then um, I ended up working full-time for a couple of magazines, national magazines. And while I was there, I noticed something that should work better which was how journalists were finding people to interview. Okay. And uh, that resulted in my creating in 1987, a company called MediaLink, which today would be called a startup because it did involve technology and all that stuff. You're a trailblazer, Mary Jane. <laughs> um, and I had a business partner. And uh, in those days, there were only two ways to reach your audience. You could, well, three, I guess, but you could phone them, you could send them regular mail. And if you wanted, you could get on the road. Mm. But this was a national company. We weren't going to get on the road. So everything was done on the phone. And because of my journalism background, I was very confident that I could get on the phone and sell something because yeah. my whole career was talking to people on the phone. But apparently that wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. So yeah, I mean, I had great conversations, but I was not growing a business and um, it was getting a little scary 
and I decided to record my calls mm. and realized, I guess I was 28 at this time and I'm, I'm calling CEOs and senior VPs of industries across the country. So I'm nervous and I'm visualizing, I'm interrupting them. So I started every conversation with, hi, Wendy, it's Mary Jane Cops, and I'm just calling to. Mm, just. Yeah. And when I heard that on the recording, I realized, you know what, they're not hearing nervous and polite. They're hearing, ah, I'm just calling. I got nothing better to do. I'm calling to talk to you. you Found know. your number on my desk, thought I'd just call. So this was the, this was the first moment when I understood, oh, talking on the phone there's a psychology here that you you want to try to understand and when I got rid of the word just when I didn't use it I made money and I thought oh so there must be more to this yeah so I spent the 14 years um, with that company and analyzed my own calls continually as well as that of my sales staff as the company Mm -hmm. grew so listen to thousands and thousands of calls and really fell in love with the process of great communication. Okay. Now I sold my shares and was taking some time off and helping a friend grow his software business. And it was very laid back. I worked like two days a week and it was great fun. Uh, but after two years, I went, look, sorry, I got to go. I got to get a full-time job now. And he said, no, you've got to start another business. Nice. And I was like, I don't think so. I don't think I want to go back to signing my own paycheck. And he said, no, you have to teach people what you know about talking on the phone. And my reaction was, well, that's not a business. That's just common sense. Mm. He said, no, I think it's a business. So he was very um, generous. He said, look, we'll just, we'll just run it through my company for the first few months. Like, don't make this complicated. Just reach out to a few people, see what happens. So I mailed out 10 brochures and got three jobs right away. And 30% success ratio on a direct mail campaign. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with the dot matrix printer. Anyway. Um, yeah, and so 14, 16 years later, 14 years later, 16, 16 years, um, here I am. That's amazing. Um, one of the things you said, uh, I just find is so prevalent for a lot of us entrepreneurs, is that when we're operating in our zone of genius and our unique ability, we discount it because it's easy and good for us versus, you know, if it was hard, you'd think it's worth something. Yes. And I think we do that even in our personal lives. Mm. So, um, you know, someone who is, is a great sous chef in the kitchen Mm -hmm. um, would be appalled at how I chop things. (laughs) Uh, I don't either. I'm not very well coordinated or I don't understand how to do it, whatever it is. It, to me, it's not easy. I would have to learn that. Whereas yeah. for someone else, it's a natural thing. Do you still have all your fingers, Mary Jane? I do. I okay. Do. So the, you've gotten to the end result required without injury. Yeah. It could be done more effectively is what you're saying. And more and faster. I'm not and very faster. <laughs> so you've, you've come into your zone of genius. You're teaching people how to communicate on the phone. Um, how has that changed 
over the last 16 years? Has, has there been some evolution there in terms of the same, do we need the same skills or do we need different skills now? Some of the skills are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to divide this into two categories. Good. So in, in business, if it's customer service that you're doing on the phone, mm-hmm. um, you really have to understand where other people are coming from and what's happened to their expectations. So because many of us are, are customers of what I'll call multinational companies, mm-hmm or at least national companies, our expectation of customer service is that if we get angry enough, they will do something for us. Because they know how much it costs them, Wendy, if you decide to go to the competition, Mm -hmm. they will spend money to keep you. That didn't work with Belle and me a few years ago. (laughs) Sometimes it doesn't work. (laughs) But what we've been taught, I'll say over the last decade, is to get angry faster when we're looking for service. Mm-hmm. And so then when you are a small retail store or you are uh, an organization of caregivers, whatever you are, then you are surprised that people get angry so quickly. Mm-hmm. But that's what we have now been taught to do. So you when you know that you can be better prepared for that and diffuse it much earlier in the conversation Mm. in order to still give your best service. Um, What's number two? With sales. Ooh, okay. So we're breaking customers and service phone work and sales phone work separately. Okay. Yes. So customer service, keep people happy sales, get somebody to buy something. Yes. Yes. So when you are approaching potential customers and you want to speak to them on the phone or on Zoom, so I'm going to include video Mm -hmm. calls here too, um, what you have to recognize is that not everyone is, you don't know who is checking what when. So seven years ago, everyone checked voicemail. Mm. That is not the case today. Seven years ago, roughly everybody checked email. That's not the case today. So You have to know that if you really want to reach somebody, you need to reach out to them in multiple channels in order to um, get a response. And streaming has changed phone communication. I know that sounds strange, but because you and I can access anything we want whenever we want, we plan our days based on our wants. And that unexpected phone call, we don't appreciate that very much because we've got our day fully planned. So if I really want to talk to you, I have to let you decide when when the conversation is going to be. I have been doing that. And I wondered if I was actually missing something because, you know, sometimes I just, I used to pick up the phone and call. Now I feel like there's this slight barrier I'm like, oh my, should I book this call? But it's just, you know, anyway, that's, I think I feel what you're talking about. And certainly with the pandemic too, we don't know where the person is. So if you call them at their office, you might get voicemail, but they might not be there. They might be working at home on a cell phone. So again, if you 
you still want to engage with voicemail. And, and the reason you do is that the sound of our voices makes us human mm. and a real person. And it contains our energy and enthusiasm. Right. I still want to leave you a voicemail, but as soon as I do that, I'm going to send you an email. Right. And in that email, I'm going to include a link for you to book the call. Book the time. Yes. Um, when I'm leaving that message, obviously, yeah, yes, I have energy, but should I have a, should I almost have a prearranged little, I'm going to say who I am, what I'm calling for, blah, blah, blah. Or like, is there a script we should be following a little bit in our messaging? I love that you asked that question. Um, so it depends what, if this is a cold call or if you're calling somebody and they know who you are and you're moving them through a project. Mm -hmm. So if it's a cold call, uh, I'm going to say it's Mary Jane Cops and I'm calling from the phone lady, but I'm not really going to tell you why I'm calling because I don't want you to make a decision about anything until we've had at least one conversation. Okay. So in that case, I'm going to say, oh, Wendy, it's Mary Jane Cops calling from the phone lady and I have a quick question for you. So you're kind of trying to almost hook them in a little bit into, I wonder what she wants. Exactly. Okay. So that's, uh, interacts with human curiosity mm. and you you do increase the people who will return your call the next thing I do is I tell you when I'm available because I cannot create phone tag with you that is a no-no okay so I'm going to say to you Wendy today you can reach me till three o'clock if we don't connect by three o'clock that's fine I will follow up with you again on Friday oh so a couple of things happen there. One, if you pick up that message at 3.30, you experience my respect for your time. And that means a lot to you. Mm -hmm. And not only that, I'm saying that I'm going to follow up. So you don't even have to write the message down. Oh, I love that. Yeah. But I also say, and I'm going to send you an email in case that's easier for you. So look for me in your inbox. Nice. So if they pick up the voicemail first, they will go to the inbox. The email, the subject line is RE colon my voicemail earlier today. So if you pick up the email first, you know there's a voicemail. So you're taking all the, I'm bothering them by doing this two, two different ways. You've kind of dealt with that, whatever that might happen cognitively, you've just diffused it already. You're just trying to communicate where it's easiest for them. Yeah, it has to be about them from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And the way that we know this in our personal lives, like when we get a gift from someone and it's perfect, it's because they really thought about us. Right. And they've paid attention. And it's the same when we're doing customer service or sales. We want to know, think about what's the backstory here? Mm. How busy is Wendy? What might be easier for her? Yeah. As opposed to, this is all about me and give me a call back. Do you feel like your entire life is about reaching the pinnacle of business success? Solid referrals, a steady stream of leads in the pipeline, profit year after year. But what's next for you? Are you going to keep working hard, hoping that the money will magically start multiplying in ways that you don't even know about now? Maybe you'll pick up an investment property or two to add to your portfolio. Can you even retire? 
can you step back or step away or exit completely and not lose everything you've built? If you don't have the answers to these questions, you are not alone. This is exactly why I created the Total Wealth Accelerator, a program designed specifically to show you, the successful business owner, how to build your own private wealth portfolio. Because there's more to you than your business, and there should be more to your wealth than what you make from the business you've created. I want to show you how. Go to the Total Wealth Accelerator now to learn more. That's TotalWealthAccelerator.com. Do you feel like in this, that the time that people expect to uh, return phone call and all that stuff, so if you left a message, that people everywhere are expecting calls back immediately versus within the day? Do you think there's any change in expectations of response time? That's a good question. I'm not sure what people expect. What I teach is don't expect them to call you back. (laughs) Okay. So based on that, I mean, I, I took your training years ago and I still remember one key piece of advice. And uh, we talked about it in the green room. How many times should I reach out to somebody through these multiple channels before I go, you're a lost cause? Okay. So again, we're thinking about the other person and we don't know. Um, I remember early, early in the phone lady, I was so excited about this big contract I was going to get with this travel agency. And um, I couldn't reach her. I couldn't reach her. I couldn't reach her. And finally, I I asked reception. I phoned reception. I said, I'm trying to reach so-and-so and I'm not having any luck. What would you suggest? And she said, oh, you know what happened? Her The retina in her eye blew up one day. <laughs> And she'd been through multiple surgeries. No one had ever thought to change her voicemail. Oh, yeah. But she was basically on leave. <laughs> and that has happened to me multiple times. So when you're thinking about the other person and you firmly believe you have something of value for them, mm-hmm. you don't give up. But having said that, yeah. What I recommend is that you call five times over two and a half weeks. Okay. So I might call you on a Monday and a Thursday. I might then call you on a Tuesday and a Friday. And then on the Wednesday of that final week, Mm -hmm. because I have a lot of leads, let's say I have a lot of leads. So I don't want to get caught calling the same people all the time. On that Wednesday, I'm going to say, hi, Wendy. It's Mary Jane Copps calling from the phone lady. Sorry, I've missed you. Know that I do have a quick question for you. And I welcome your call whenever it's most convenient for you. So I leave the door open and I take that lead and I, maybe I move it ahead two months or three months or whatever Mm -hmm. I want to do. Having said that now, if I'd already presented something to you and I was waiting for a response, Mm-hmm. I do not give up oh. <laughs> because no answer does not mean no. If it's no, they will call you and get used to stop calling them. <laughs> but it doesn't, when they're the not calling you, it's because their company's going through a merger, they're, they've got COVID, they, you know, who knows? 
So you're just basically, once you've had this conversation and actually had a conversation about maybe doing work together, you have a no ghosting policy. 100%. You will find it. So what we do is we confuse pestering with persistence. Ah, yes. And it's not the same thing. So we've had a conversation. You are interested in the value I offer. You've taken a proposal from me. If I ghost you, I'm saying I'm not persistent or I didn't really want that job anyway or something. Mm -hmm. Um, So a, a case in point. In September of 2020, a company approached me. And of course, they were thinking that we were at the end of the pandemic. But in any case, they asked me to quote for training, national training on de-escalation. I sent the proposal. I delivered that training in December of 2021. When did you, when was the first? When did September you- 2020. Okay. So basically almost 15 months later. Yes. So initially I called every two or three weeks to follow up on that proposal. And um, I heard nothing, absolutely nothing. So then I extended that to sort of six weeks and then I extended that to every two months. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never stopped because it was, I, I want an answer. And one of the things when somebody's not replying, one of the questions that usually works is to say, Wendy, where does my proposal fit in with your current priorities? Mm. Because maybe when you asked me to create this proposal, things were different and you are now doing something different or going through a merger or you're dealing with labor shortages, whatever. And it's just, it's not the priority it was when we had our first conversation. And most people will tell you that and say, look, let's pick this up again in six months. Right. And you can diarize that for yourself. Yeah, it takes the pressure off them, I guess, to some degree, so that at least you get a response and and can move it to a yes, no, or maybe bucket. We kind of um, have this philosophy that a no is way better than a maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we don't want to be the ones to say, no, we don't want this work. Right, exactly. Or infer that we are by not being careful about it. Um, Channels. So you just talked about reach out five times through email or for for phone calls with a follow-up email because those are standard and tied together correct yeah okay this this drives me sometimes i'll get texts i'll get facebook messages i'll get linkedin messages all from different people at different times which how do you incorporate those channels into your reach outs so uh first of all i think you have to be conscious i guess of the audience. I think that text is going to become more of a business communication platform. Yeah. But if you know me at all, you would know you better not text me. Well, I have a theory. If you email me, it shows up on one of five de- on five devices. If you text me, it shows up on one. Yeah. But I do if I in a B two B environment. So a B two C environment, reaching out to you on Facebook makes sense. B two C being business to consumer. Yeah. But in a business-to-business environment, I, if I want to have a conversation with you and you and I are not connected, I will send you a connection request. Yes. But after that, 
I will not try to engage you on LinkedIn. It's only about, I want you to see that you and I have 150 people in common because that gives me some credibility. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fine. I, I, thank you. I'm using the word fascinate a lot. I apologize. <laughs> Uh, one of the things we talked about in the green room was a little bit about the history of communication and how it's evolving. And we went way back to childhood and how, how we communicate with our parents and relatives. Take me on that journey, Mary Jane, of what you've seen and how it's changed and how we have to maybe adjust. Well, if, you know, as I mentioned in, in that first business, our choices were very few. Mm. phone, regular mail, drive across the country. Um, the fax came in two years after I started that business. And of course the fax isn't even an issue now, I guess, unless you're in nope. a law firm or something. Or CRA. There you go. What happened in those days was people answered their phone. You might get a receptionist, mm -hmm. but I remember speaking to the CEO of Chrysler Canada. Like it wasn't, you could do that. They answered their phones. There was no voicemail. There was no voicemail. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, of course, then we've moved into having voicemail. The way I look at voicemail is for years, only the upper echelon of business had a receptionist. Now we all do. Mm -hmm. You treat your voicemail as your receptionist. It works. Um, but I remember too, standing in my office in Toronto when somebody read me an article about the fact that someday phone calls would include video. And I went, oh, I'll be retired by the time that happens. <laughs> and here I am. Here we are on Zoom. on camera with you. <laughs> so that is another evolution is how much time I spend, not necessarily on the phone, but on a Zoom call or yeah. a, a video call. Um, so that's an evolution. We carry our phones with us. Mm -hmm. So we all have called display. We're all able to see who's calling. Yeah, yeah. And our reaction to unexpected phone calls is also tied into the evolution of the telemarketing industry, which has become a criminal industry. Right. So we're not anxious in any way to answer calls from area codes we don't recognize. In fact, uh, in December, I got caught on that. I was up in my office. It was early evening here in Atlanta, Canada, and it was a it was an area code I didn't recognize, but I decided to answer and I sounded like everybody does in those circumstances. I went, Mary Jane speaking. <laughs> who are you and why are you on my phone? And it was a new BC area code, British Columbia area code that I did not know. And it was a client calling. And it was like, oh. So all of that has changed. And it's put barriers in place in terms of our having conversations. And in my work, I push against those barriers because I believe that conversation is how we build trust, how we build a relationship. Mm -hmm. And um, I even think, you know, in today's world, we have a lot of divisive issues. And while they may not go away, if we were really speaking to each other about them, we yeah. could certainly at least develop some understanding. Yeah. Yeah. So what is, um, 
how do you provide your services? Is it through workshops? Is it through online courses? Like how, how do you deliver this training? Um, yes, webinars, mm -hmm. of course, like workshops, webinars, yeah. and one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching and group coaching. So those are the, those are the don't online. have an online course. So the, the next question then is, um, that you just made me think of was, do you see, I, I was going to ask about what is the most common, you know, communication mistake you see in relation to the phone. And then I want to add part B, which is, is it different per generation? So if we said Gen Z versus millennial versus um, baby boomers, whatever, what do you? Well, the most common problem I'm asked to address is the reticence to even make a phone call. Mm -hmm. And that's every generation and has fueled the phone lady for 16 years. Um, it is, there's a comfort level with email because we can edit, we can think, it isn't spontaneous, um, and uh, we can do it in our own time. Yeah. Um, and so that's across every generation but with younger generations what happens is they haven't been there and haven't been exposed to conversations the way other generations have right so the question i get is how do i end the call what happens if they ask me a question i can't answer how do i start the conversation yeah. i mean the big light bulb moment for me was, I'm going to say four or five years ago in Toronto, standing in front of a group we're about 90 minutes into a workshop and I've given them the tools to get a conversation started and I'm, I'm writing something on the whiteboard and then I turn around and they all have this blank or frightened look on their faces and I'm yep. like, what? What's going on? And one of them says, well, Mary Jane, we understand what you're telling us, but once we get the conversation started, what do we do next? <laughs> I was so startled, um, but that, that was sincere. They didn't know how to create the conversation. So and you're almost, you're training from the ground up just because it's a skill that we're not developing just the way that technology in our world and the way that everything's happening, it's changing some of these, skills that we might have taken for granted years ago we almost have to build from scratch yes yes because you know everything is is text or chat or email and when we as i say when we do those things it's not spontaneous mm. it's not impromptu and uh, there's a real phone anxiety existed when i started the phone lady I don't have any data to share with you, but I would say that it's tripled in uh, what, you know, when people get a job that involves the phone, they can be terrified. Hmm. Um, what is the one last thing that you'd love to say to people about talking on the phone or take making the effort to learn how to do so? Well, in terms of, I think I'll just stick with conversation in general. Mm -hmm. um, it's when we have a conversation with someone that we really get to know them. Yeah. And whether it's customer service or it's sales, 
when you want to uncover what they need, what they want, what their challenge is. And the only way to sort of um, eliminate your assumptions and so on is to have a really good conversation. Hmm. And really there's a great conversation with someone like you and I are having today. It's a wonderful thing. It's energizing, it's illuminating, it's, um, and it really builds, as I say, relationship that matters. Mm. So there's so much that we gain from the real time experience. And that's what I wanna make sure that we don't walk away from because technology is offering us so many other choices. Yeah, it's not always the easy way. That's the best way. Yeah. yeah. I really want to thank you for your time, uh, Mary Jane. How do people get a hold of you? What's is it your website? Well, yeah, the website. Or it, should they phone you? <laughs> the phonelady.com, and there is a phone number there. Um, and um, I'm on Twitter, phonelady.ca, and Mary Jane Cops on LinkedIn. I'm the only Mary Jane Cops on LinkedIn. That's awesome. Um, so pretty easy to find. Good. Well, today on uh, the real bottom line, conversation is how we build trust. So you should start having some. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Real Bottom Line. This show is produced by Black Star Wealth. Executive producer, Wendy Brookhouse. To learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.